I bought this one for my students because it covers their shaking legs and I'm hoping that it'll cover my shaking legs today. Um, but Neil asked me to talk because uh, they were going away on the camp with the kids um, on their leadership camp. I thought it was fantastic that they take them away. And, um, and he said to me, you, you know, the, the message is there, you've just got to kind of get up and be the voice. Okay, I can be a voice. So um, I think this is God's message. Um, if you've been here the last two weeks, you know that, that we've been talking about the Ten Commandments, and so I'm going to talk about the Ten Commandments today. If you're here for the first time, maybe you're here for the first time in church ever, and you just heard Ten Commandments, and you're thinking about running out like all those kids just did, please don't run. Um, listen to um, what God's got in, for, in store for you today, because I think it's pretty cool. Um, we are looking at, I got given the Thou Shalt Nots, um, but I, it's been a blessing for me to prepare because I think in looking at the Thou Shalt Nots, I've um, come to see just how incredible those promises are in, in the Ten Commandments, and I'll explain. Um, some of you have heard of a guy, a historical guy called David. Um, this guy, David, uh, is recorded as once saying to God that he rejoices in God's statutes as one rejoices in great riches, that he meditates on God's precepts, that he delights in his decrees, that he wishes that his eyes would be open to see wonderful things in God's law and that his soul is consumed with longing for God's laws at all times. Now that's in Psalms 119, it's the longest chapter in the Bible um, and it kind of just is this love poem, it's an acrostic poem, I'm told, about God's laws. And I have looked at it a couple of times and thought, gee, this guy, David, is kind of weird. You know, maybe he's just, 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 just um, pencil-pushing guys who would have loved to work for the tax office or something, you know, just super keen about the law. Um, but uh, there's some context to David. David, if you don't know his story in the Bible... Um, is a guy who in one episode of his life managed to break in a pretty serious way a whole bunch of commandments. Um, number six, do not murder. Number seven, do not commit adultery. Number nine, do not give false testimony. And number ten, do not covet. He slept with a married woman, had her husband killed, um, lied about it and suffered some pretty serious consequences. And he's the guy, this guy, who says that he loves God's law, that he thinks about them all the time and that he just kind of wishes that everybody else could be in love with God's law too. Um, this guy, this guy who broke all those commandments, is a guy that is referred to in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. So there must be something more to the commandments than just keeping them because clearly this guy couldn't be after God's own heart if that's the requirement for getting in with God. And I think the guys over the last two weeks have talked to you about that, that the Ten Commandments aren't about getting in with God because the people that he gave the commandments to already were in with God. Um, they were already chosen by God. And the Ten Commandments starts with, I'm your God who brought you out of Egypt, i.e. I'm your God who already saved you, who already fixed up your mess. These are the laws that I'm giving you because we already have a relationship. And so I think the guys have said this, um, I'm pretty sure Neil said this last week I was here, and he said that these laws were a confirmation of relationship, not a requirement 
for relationship. And I think the same is true today because before we heard about the message, Jesus, we're told, already loved us and already died for us and already forgave us. And that's, that's cool. We forget that sometimes. We see the list of laws. We think that, you know, that's a, a step-by-step guide. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that because you are in a relationship with God, he wants to confirm that by giving you the best possible life. God spent the first four commandments talking about himself. And I think that that's a really um, big clue as to what God says is the most important, and that is that he wants to be the centerpiece of your life. That um, he wants to be first, and he wants to be at the center. Now, the commandments are recorded in Exodus 20. I'm not sure if they're going to come up on the screen. Um, If they do, they'll be there in full. Um, But I'm going to summarize the first four. The first one, God says, make me first. The second, don't reduce or confine me. The third, don't misrepresent me. And the fourth, trust me enough to leave your work and make me a priority for the whole day. Now, last week, I remember Neil finishing off by talking about how that fourth commandment is really about trust, and he said that the next um, bunch are about trust too, and I think that's true. I think that um, trust is the basis for the next for understanding the rest of the commandments because if you really trust that God will provide everything that you need really, truly, then you don't need to steal. And if you really, really trust that God will be just and that he will bring judgment, then you don't need to kill. Um, So the next thing I think that we can learn about God, and I tried to jot down a few things as I went about what the commandments reveal about God's character, because I think that you can learn a lot about a person by the rules that they give you. Um, I think high school students will tell you that. You've all been high school students at some point. You can remember different teachers and their rules and expectations, and it it tells you a lot about a person's character. So as I went, I tried to um, write down the things that I think the commandments reveal about God's character. And I think that it reveals, in this case, that he um, is trustworthy enough to look after every aspect of our life. Now, I've heard people say the first four commandments are about God and then the next six are about others, and, and that's true. Um, so the next six that we're going to talk about um, are largely instructions about how we're to honour other people. Um, Jesus, thousands of years after the commandments were given, himself said that actually all of the laws that God gives us, all of the prophecies, i.e. all the communication that we get from God, come down to two principles. He says this in Matthew 22, if you want to look it up. All of the laws, all of the prophecies, he says, hang on two things, love for God and love for others. They're the two principles that guide all of his communication with us. And that is, you know, perfectly evident in the Ten Commandments. Um, But Jesus uses stories too to illustrate, I think, that Love for others is love for God. You may have heard the story, um, some people refer to it as the Good Samaritan, that when you are showing respect and honour to other people, that you're showing it to God. Because even the craziest person you've ever met is created in the image of God. Even, I wrote this down, 
Um, even the person that when you hear their name and you grit, their te- you grit your teeth thinking about you know, your dealings with them, even that person is created in the image of God. Some way, somehow, they show you part of God's character. And so I don't think you can pull out the, just the love for God laws and just live by them and have a good life. And likewise, there's a temptation to just pull out the love for others and to just be a really good person and show kindness to others and think that that makes a good life. But I think the Creator, I think God tells us that we need love for God and love for others to be really living the kind of fulfilled life that He wants. So, commandment number five. Um, God asks us to honour our parents. Now, surely there are greater people to honour than our parents. And I'm sorry, Mum. My mum actually came to support me today. Um, but hasn't, hasn't, don't psychologists prove, don't therapists tell us that the first people to mess us up are our parents? Um, they're the first people to lie to us and the first people to disappoint us. And, but it's okay, Mum, it's not your fault. It's probably your parents' fault and they can blame their parents. Um, But the point is God didn't say honour your leaders or honour the perfect people, honour the people who keep the commandments better than you. Um, He says to honour people that we know really, really well and we know all their flaws. Um, And perhaps that's because he, um, he knows that that's the easiest way for us to understand his relationship with us, that God-people relationship, like the parent relationship. Um, there are obviously lots of parents in here because I just saw a truckload of kids running out the door. But, um, you know, the, your kids, like I was, born incredibly selfish and they take, take, take and um, yet you don't abandon them on the side of the road. You love them because they are created in your image. Um, and so I think that that's a cool reminder that God expect, that God sees all of us as his children and he expects us all to be loved and respected by others. Um, God gave a promise to the Israelites with this commandment and um, you may have seen that on the screen when Exodus comes up. Now history tells us that um, these people who were taken out of Egypt, these Israelites who God gave the commandments to, who he had already saved when he gave the laws, um, he he was giving them a new land and we know that that is now in modern day Israel Um, and he tells them honour your parents and you will do well in that land that I'm giving you Um, and I've heard some people say that that promise is about that honouring your parents is about keeping the faith of your parents and history proves to us that when the Israelites abandoned their faith and they chose to go a different way with their lives that their society was weakened and that they were open to attacks by the um, nations around them and eventually they lost their land. Um, Years later, when Jesus was living in that same area but it was now occupied by the Romans, uh, there's some religious leaders, um, they call themselves the Pharisees, who uh, managed to find a way around the system to not honour their parents. Um, they used to donate all their money to church, kind of a dodgy tax return because therefore they then don't have any money, therefore don't have to support their parents. They can say, well, I don't have any money. So there was a law at the time that you had to give a certain amount of your wealth to your parents in their old age to support them. 
They didn't have any of that money, so don't, sorry, Mum and Dad, don't have anything to support you. But then, of course, they're employed by the church and they live off the wealth of the church. Um, and Jesus slams these people for their hypocrisy and it's evident that Jesus um, upheld this idea that we need to honour our parents, this law that we need to honour our parents. Um, the next of the Ten Commandments tell us how we're to honour the people around us, how we are to respect them. And in a modern Australian context, these are pretty easy for us to see the benefits of. Um, and they're reflected in the legal codes of most um, modern countries, or probably, probably the legal codes in varying degrees in pretty much every country around the world. Um, but the Tenth Commandment, so to recap those commandments, um, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not give false testimony as don't lie about somebody else, um, and do not steal. But the last one, the last one you're not going to find in any legal code around the world, um, because the last one is about regulating your thoughts. And again, um, I think modern psychology backs this up. Who, who would have thought that it would back up what um, God has been telling us for thousands of years? But what we spend most of our time thinking about in life is generally what we then uh, make our life's goals, what we then set out to achieve. It can be a really positive thing, but if that thing is jealousy, and commandment number 10 is do not covet, do not be jealous of other people's stuff, other people's lives then it's not leaving, leading us to a place of where we can be truly happy. Um, if I think long enough and hard enough about how much I want what you have, then I'm more likely to steal it or to go about some dodgy kind of way to get it. Um, but I also think if I want what you have for long enough and hard enough, even if I can't get it, it's likely to steal my joy it's likely to steal my contentment. Um, I've got a little card at home um, that I thought was really cool. It was actually a coaster, but I stuck it up um, on the tall boy at home. So a little reminder to me, and it says, um, never let the things you want distract you from the things you have. So when I get up every day and I'm getting ready, and I'm thinking about the things that I, um, I want, the things that sometimes they're intangible things, things I want to achieve, or things that I just want to get, the stuff I want to buy. I try really hard to let this little thing remind me that I don't want that to let me forget of the, all the cool stuff I have, the stuff that I've been blessed with. And every morning when I get to school, because I work in the high school here, and I walk up the stairs, Mr. Baskin, Ian Baskin's room is right on the end there, and he often has his door open. He's got a little um, poster on his door that says, don't let comparison steal your joy. And I see that when I come in in the morning. I think that's so cool. I hope that the students at the school see it because we're in a system that kind of forces us to compare people. We, can, we have grades and we measure people up. But I just, I really think there's so much value in that. Um, if we're looking at other people and we're not looking at God, when we're doomed, I think, <laughs> to, to live a life of discontent. Um, from a historical point of view, something interesting about the Ten Commandments is that they're radically different to the um, culture of the time in other places. So in Australia, we can understand um, the do not murder and the do not steal and the do not commit adultery. They're all good things. Um, but 
in um, a historical sense in the rest of the world, um, they're really quite radical because they don't make any distinguish, um, distinction between uh, groups of people. So these are laws for not just wealthy men um, and not just poor men, and the wealthy men are accepted, but these are laws too for women and for slaves. And as I said before, if this is what we're being asked to do for other people, then this is what other people are being asked to do for us. And so everybody gets rights. Um, historically, in that context, that's really cool. Um, history shows that it's actually much better to um, have a society where we have a legal document where all of us are equally bound to that legal document. Um, when God gave these people the Ten Commandments, he told them, okay, now as you set up your society, I don't want you to have a king. I want you to just have these laws, have this kind of legal document that everyone is equally bound to. Don't put anyone else above the laws. Don't get somebody else to rule over you. Yes, the nations around you do that, but you will have judges, people who are experts in the law who can help you through sticky situations, um, but those judges will change over time. And history proves that for a time, that society worked really well. But when the people begged God for a king, and they got one, um, things went kind of downhill from there. I've already told you about um, David, one of their kings, and he was one of the good ones, you know. Um, and history, history proves time and time again that when we get people who think they are above the law, who are outside the law, when people put their faith in a strong leader to give them the answers here on earth, that things don't generally bode well for them. Now, this same book that tells us about the Ten Commandments and the same book that um, gives these Israelites the instructions about how they should set up their society also gives the people instructions about what to do when people break the commandments. So what that says to me is God knew that we were going to break them. And everyone in here, God knows that we were going to continue breaking them. Even though Jess got up and spoke to you today, Jess is still going to break them and you're still going to break them. Um, but he has a plan for what to do about that. But what it also tells me is that that our sin, and this is a trap that I think lots of people fall into, um, our sin is not an excuse for not having a relationship with God because he puts it on the table. He says, you're already in a relationship with me. I've already chosen you. You're already my people. These are the laws I think that are best for your life and it's not just I think I know because I created you because I'm the God of the universe. Um, but they're not, they're not a way to me. And so when you break them, that's not an excuse not to talk to me. That's not an excuse to shut me out or to leave me out of your life um, because I believe the whole story of the Bible is about God just telling us over and over that he wants to live life with us. So it doesn't matter how bad you feel about stuff in your life, it's not an excuse. I don't believe the Ten Commandments prove to us it's not an excuse for not taking up an opportunity to talk to God. So these rules are, are not a way to God, but they're something he gives us because he already likes us. Um, and I chose that word likes because we talk about love a lot, um, but I think, I think God doesn't just love us, I think he likes us. Um, he knows everything about us and he loves us and he likes us anyway. 
when our lives are underpinned by love for God and love for others, I think our lives will be better too. And I think that that probably sounds a little cliche, but I think it's true. That if we are basing our decisions on those two principles, if our Ten Commandments are at the heart of our decision-making, then I think that that's making our lives better. Because don't we want, really, to surround ourselves with people who are like this, you know, who don't steal, who don't lie about others, who, yeah. I think that that makes us the kind of community that we all want to live in. Now, I said earlier that you can learn a lot about a person by the rules that they have. And so I said that I wrote down a few as I went. And these were the ones that I think, these are the attributes of God that I think we get from the Ten Commandments. Number one, and there were six of them. Number one, God wants to be the centerpiece of your life. Number two, he claims to be trustworthy enough to look after every aspect of our lives. He sees us as his children and he expects us to be loved and respected by others. He sees all people as equals. He is forgiving and ultimately he is love. And if we think about the Ten Commandments like that, then I think we, we get a better understanding of where someone like David was coming from when he says his soul was longing for God's laws all the time. I think there are lots of us who watch the news at night, go to bed at night and think, I'm longing for a time when we have a society like that, when my family is like that. And I think that's cool. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that you care about us enough not to abandon us when we messed up, but to give us laws to help us get back on track. Lord, we thank you that you don't measure our worth by our ability to keep laws, but that you love us enough to give us laws to make our lives better. Thank you, Lord, for not giving up on us, but continuing to remind us about how much you love us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen.